What is going on, you guys? Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, E&E Bartending. You can follow them on Instagram at EE Bartending, and you can follow their page on Facebook at E&E Bartending. Today we have a special episode, which is why I have a regular intro for us. We are not at the same location we usually are. We are at the basis gym here in Chico, and we get to know all of the people that we get to talk to today. We hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's full of lots of great information, and it's a great start to a great relationship. We appreciated them. We appreciate their time and their space. With that being said, let's get to the episode. We are not in the normal spot. Where are we? Moving up and into the world. We're, we're now in basis. We're right? like becoming like official. We're like becoming we're becoming cool. We're, we're fancy. Yeah, we're we're at the basis HQ. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, we get some strangers here. We'll let them introduce themselves. The literal strangers. <laughs> Sarah Strange. <laughs> Grayson Strange. And I'm Nate Carlosio. Uh, middle name. Strange. We haven't adopted him yet. Yeah. So yeah. So we are at a gym, and it's a very unique gym called Basis here in Chico. Uh, they offer very, very uh, unique things, and it's unlike any of the gym kind of in the area. I mean, can you guys tell us about what you guys offer here? Let's talk. About yeah, it. we have a we have a few different programs that we that we offer. We offer um, we separated everything out into strength classes. It's kind of a sub uh, subcategory that would be our strongman classes. We do conditioning that has three different levels. We do kin stretch mobility, and then we have nutrition, which is sort of segueing now into more of a weekend seminars and workshops. And coaching. And coaching, yeah. yeah. Nutrition coaching as well. And that's something you guys have kind of started. Have you guys been doing that for a while, the nutrition coaching? We tried running with, well, we have been doing that the whole time. We tried running with um, classes, weekly classes, and people just kind of don't show up to those. But the amazing magic of language, if you change the word from class to seminar, you get a shit ton of people. Can I swear? Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah, okay. please go yeah, for it. Uh, we should have asked that beforehand. But. We cuss a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a fucking sound more fancy when you say seminar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's like, yeah. It sounds exclusive, you know. Yeah, so we've d- we're doing seminars and then the coaching piece. I kind of prefer the coaching thing, uh, the coaching side of things, just because I think that a lot of people need that accountability and that presence. Um, and guidance because the whole, as you guys know, like nutrition is really confusing and yeah. people get, get lost in the weeds and you think they're good. They have all the information and then you check in with them and you're like, what's going on? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, personal training, I'm tell you, I know all about that yeah. for sure. You will explain something and they, um, you know, they kind of just, they overwhelm themselves very, very easily. Well, how'd you guys end up here? Like, let's talk about your past. Where are you guys from? What's the background? How'd you guys end up like you know, how, doing this? How far back do you guys want to go? Yeah. Go back. Uh, <laughs> these have, these guys have a, when a you were only two s- different cells. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you guys go first. Well, I was like, I was out of high school by the time Nate was born. So I yeah. got a lot of time on Nate. <laughs> well, uh, let's start like getting into fitness. Kind of what started yeah. it off. and. Uh, well, I was four, but. <laughs> Whoa. So we're going way back. Yeah. I, I started off as a ballet dancer. And so to do that, you got to start super young. But um, really intense like ballet. I was at the point of kind of launching into a possible career path i was at joffrey in new york and i tweaked my back had to stop realized i didn't want to have an eating disorder because it's i don't really quite have the physique for ballet so it was really hard um but you know that lent a bunch of 
once you kind of reach that peak of like ability and proprioception where you're at like a professional level, I feel like you can't just kind of do nothing from there. So then it was a long process of me trying to figure out what, you know, what the next thing was. Um, going through triathlons for a few years wasn't that. Um, yoga for like 10 years wasn't that. Pilates, I was a Pilates instructor for a while. Mm. Uh, and then yoga was basically tearing me up. It was like just crushing my, my low back. I have like hypermobile extension. And so it was just kind of overdoing that without any real direction. Um, so my shoulder and my back were getting jacked up and I was in the chiropractor's office constantly. He was like, I think you should do some strength training. And I was like, ah, you know, I've got muscle mass from yoga, like, (laughs) (laughs) but it was like getting so bad that I finally, finally was like, all right, God, maybe I'll just try, you know, try to take somebody's advice for once. I'm terrible at that, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I was born knowing everything and we have a four year old and it's like, oh, it's a gene because she's, she's like that. Like she knows everything already. And it's like, oh shit, sorry. I guess that's my, my gene. That was your contribution. Yes. So I took the guy's advice, started doing some strength training and lo and behold, it did start to work. So my shoulder stopped subluxating. Um, and then that evolved into, CrossFit, um, which is where I met Grayson, because Grayson had a CrossFit gym in Denver. And then we did open a CrossFit gym together in Denver. And then that led us to kind of like, tr- like liking some aspects of CrossFit, but then also realizing that we wanted to do some things better, um, which was a evolution, you know, a process of over a few years of like, just kind of moving farther and farther away from it. But we wound up at NorCal, um, the business partnership in Denver, the business was doing really well, but the actual partnership was not a good fit. So we got out of that. I'd been writing for Rob Wolf's blog and that's how I found out about, he offered us jobs at NorCal. So we moved out here in 2013 and we coached there for a while until they sold that business and then opened basis with Nate, who we also met at NorCal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'll, I'll jump in and go right up to about NorCal. Uh, I started working out when I was 14, lifting weights. I was like, you know, just wanted to be a meathead. Yeah. And uh, I never played sports. I was never into playing sports. The most athletic thing that I was into was like skateboarding. And so it was like skateboarding, weight training, and video games were my, my existence. And uh, I got into college. I kept weight training. Um, I uh, started to do some cheerleading in college. So I was a co-ed cheerleader and that got me into doing some Olympic weightlifting stuff and, uh, kind of got me further down the rabbit hole of weight training. Dude, do not gloss over the Denver nuggets. Well, nah, that's, that's my next thing. (laughs) No big deal. Yeah, right. No big deal. Um, Grayson was a Denver nuggets cheerleader. Yeah. And then I got, I got hired with the Denver nuggets when they had a co-ed cheerleading team. So I was a, I was a paid cheerleader. Not that that's anything glamorous. You make like minimum wage, but regardless, (laughs) uh, I got paid for it. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot he's got of work sweet for, scars on his yeah. shoulders from where the girls like ripped all the skin off his really? shoulders. <laughs> yeah, cheerleading is, is is a brutal sport, especially well for both. I mean, it's just it's just sacrifice of the body to do cool stuff like many sports are. Yeah, you're um, the one that got thrown, right? Yeah, I wish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, there were a couple dudes on the team that could throw me up in their hands and lift me over their head. We had some, we had some big, strong dudes on that on the the Nuggets cheerleading team. It's um, definitely underrated the amount of it is. Yeah, you know, like I mean. I got into cheerleading because my I, my buddy who lived on the floor in my dorms was like, "Dude, you like weightlifting? You should you should come try cheerleading." And I just looked and I was like, <laughs> "Come on, man! No, thank you, but I appreciate the offer." Yeah. And then uh, I went to a practice with them, and I was like, 
the stunting component, you know, like of throwing the girls in there, that was really fun because it was kind of like Olympic weightlifting, but with Plus a big again. person. Yeah. Um, with and I really got into it. I never really got into the sports component, though. You know, I was always the cheerleader who was like, oh, there was a touchdown? Shit, I missed it. This year. <laughs> still, 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 stunt, though. Um, still knows nothing about basketball. Oh, yeah, nothing. nothing. It was like, great touchdown, what? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, you know, not, the touchdown not so good with sports. Nate, else. Nate teaches me how to throw a ball. I'm getting better at it slowly. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we did did the Nuggets cheerleading thing, and then uh, I was I had a regular corporate job. I got a degree in construction management, so you know, like no physical background at all. I got a job with an insurance company. I was living in Dallas. I started doing CrossFit. I loved it. Changed my whole life. This sort is of. it. Right this here. is the thing I want to do. He was good at it. Nice. I mean, that was okay. <laughs> there are a lot of better CrossFitters out there. Uh, but I, I took it seriously. I really enjoyed it. But I decided, I was thinking, like, man, this is what I want to do. I, I, my girlfriend at the time, she was owned this CrossFit gym. And we were like, man, we should. Deep Ellum. Should like, yeah, CrossFit one. Deep Ellum still still around. They're, I think they have different, maybe a couple different owners now. But, um, I, yeah, I decided, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit my job. I'm going to move back to Denver and open a CrossFit gym. And that and was. You were there during the rise of CrossFit, right? I mean, when was. Yeah, so when I was in Dallas doing CrossFit, that was. Uh, Let's see. I think I moved there right at the end of 2009, 2010. So, I mean, it was the earlier days of CrossFit. Like, it had definitely been around for a while. But, I mean, there, you know, there weren't CrossFit affiliates on every corner. It wasn't just the thing that everybody had recognized. You know, there had only been a cro- couple CrossFit games. I was, like, the third year of the CrossFit games in 2010. Uh, so, it was definitely the early days. The and when you days. opened Lodo, there was only, like, Front Range CrossFit and then uh, Denver, uh, the one on Broadway. More. Yeah, I think in Denver there were maybe... Five. I don't know, five or six CrossFit gyms. Now there's like... There's probably 40 per, CrossFit per gyms street. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, so we met at this first CrossFit gym, um, and then we got together with a couple other friends, and we opened our own, and uh, we were there for a while. We had some business partners that we didn't really get along with after a while. The gym was doing great, but we weren't doing great with our business partners, yeah. so we were trying to figure out like... Lessons in business. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Don't, they don't emphasize that enough. We did everything <laughs> totally. wrong, too. Like, yeah. that's part of the good thing, good part about going to NorCal is our, our, and the decision, because we were ready to open another gym in Denver, and it was like, well, this one didn't go so well. Maybe we should go like work for somebody that's been in business for 10 years, can actually teach us something. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. We open a gym, but we learn something. Which I'm really glad we did because I, that way that we did that was yeah. Thank you, Sean. Sean, if you listen to this podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then here you guys are. And about you, tell us about about you, Nate. Uh, my background is a lot shorter than theirs. <laughs> I, uh, um, I played sports all through high school, and I played volleyball for Chico State for oh nice two years. Um, we did a lot of strength. That, that was how I was initially exposed to strength training was through baseball in high school and then into volleyball in college. Um, and I had super funky injuries. I got into CrossFit through someone that I knew just randomly in like my first month, like tore my labrum doing a windmill warm-up. Warm-up. Um, yeah. <laughs> warm-up. Yeah, what, exactly. What, what did they recommend? You start that warm-up windmill weight with, right? Uh, it was a 24-kilo kettlebell. It was prescribed warm-up weight, <laughs> what? which is crazy. Yeah, it was... It was I don't want to call anybody out, but it was an absolute <laughs> shit show. Boy, yeah. wow. But that's really what kind of like, I was like, oh, this is such a cool thing, but like... I feel like there's no... That, that was at Chico State? No, 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 no. no. That was at a CrossFit gym in San Jose. <laughs> that shall not be named. That shall not be named, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was like there's, like, there's no introduction to this. So I did a little research in Chico, and at the time I was having a ton of sinus issues, and so I was reading about how like I was up for... I was going to get surgery done to 
I had a deviated septum to help resolve some sinus issues, issues that I was having. So I ended up finding Rob Wolf somehow and then realized that he had a gym in Chico. So I started going to NorCal as a client in 2011. I had moved to Chico to become a nurse because I wanted to help people in health. And then I was going to the gym. I was like, this is way better because yeah. Rob had done a really good job of building a, a program that was surrounded by nutrition and how health, um, being physically fit and healthy are kind of synonymous and what that actually looks like. And so I started interning there in 2012 and then coaching pretty much. I had been coaching for like six months right as these two showed up. And oh. that was, yeah, that's pretty much the story. Much faster. Well, yeah. well so, I mean. It was magic after that. Yeah. Well, who, like, how did the basis start up? I mean, you guys are NorCal, you know, CrossFit at this point. What, uh, what was next? Well, NorCal, um, at one point, like, I guess Rob was gone when we got up here, right? He still owned a portion, but he had moved away. And so his uh, brother-in-law owned the gym. And over the course of a few years, he decided that he just, he wanted to do something else. He needed to get out of the gym business. So he, he got burnt out too. It he was got like burnt a burnout out. thing. Yeah. Like, it was just, gotta get out of here now. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of those things like owning a gym is hard enough. Like it's, you're either going to just struggle through and you want to keep doing it or it's so soul sucking that you realize you just have to get the hell it's out. Be, it's passion else. driven. I totally. Yeah. You have to be, have passion for it and not just be in it for just the money because that will burn you out quickly and yeah. you'll realize it's, yeah. yeah. And if you do want money, you don't open a small place like this. You open a big, you know, big place where big you have thousands room. of members that pay 40 bucks a month. Like a 24 hour fitness type. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a good yeah. business model. Yeah. Yeah. A, um, a low touch facility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he decided that he needed to get out and he found another business owner that he kind of became friends with a guy who owned a couple other gyms around here, like Marysville and some other places. Um, and went into business with him and he was going to slowly transition into just taking over the business completely and buying it. And uh, over the course of that year, we just sort of realized like we had really different opinions on the direction that we wanted to go in the gym. We had just, Nate had found FRC and so we were really getting into that and we really wanted to implement it because we thought it had a lot of potential. Um, he didn't really share that belief and so it, after a while we were just kind of like, we just, we gotta find something new. Like what are we gonna do? We gotta do, are we gonna go out on our own? Are we gonna find another gym to work for? There's not any other gym that we wanna work for. So, so you said, Why this is the next that? logical progression. Yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. And it was, you know, like when you are in a small facility like that, where the, the emphasis is on relationships and being a part of people's process, um, the owner and whoever that kind of trickles down from is really important. And when that person goes away, he'd built a really strong team, but the gym was just kind of on this weird autopilot status for a while. Um, and the three of us really all kind of like continued that sort of team thing, but we were starting to also like see things in a different way. Like there's a better way to do conditioning. There's a better way to do strength training. There's a really critical way of doing mobility and developing the capacity to do these things before you just do these things. Um, which really kind of evolved like that whole gym's initial philosophy when they broke away from CrossFit was quality control and needing to like, progress people up to a point of maybe someday being able to do a muscle up, not just like, yeah. get up there, buddy, yeah. Yeah. struggle, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they're, and so it was kind of like CrossFit light. Like they took all of like the, sadly, like this exciting, sexy shit, but also the stuff that just wrecks people. Like having somebody try to throw a 135 pound bar over their head yeah. that doesn't have a shoulder or an elbow or a squat is like, oh, wow, that's a terrible idea. Just well, get a limited yeah, no, amount of time. You can well, do let's that. talk about. Let's talk CrossFit. CrossFit. Yeah. I mean, that's the big. That it's big. It's huge. You know. Yeah. So, 
I mean, why do you guys think it exploded? First off, let's just go there. Why do you think it exploded? Because it's sex Olymp- appeal. Yeah, sex appeal. Sexy. Oh man, I watch. I mean, I still I'll, I'll watch like CrossFit games, and I'm like, I need to start doing CrossFit again. That yeah. dude's yoked. Look how much he's moving and, that weight. You know, it's like the girls appealing. look all badass. You know, totally. with their abs showing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's, it was marketed well, right? I think also that it like it basically hit this perfect niche. Like it had a couple of just perfect storm components come together where they have the community that is totally lacking and but also that high intensity so people always have this concept that they need to be destroying themselves Mm -hmm. and the more they're destroyed the better the workout it is the more like pats on the back they get the better the person they are etc so crossfit was like oh i'm really just killing myself right now so this is great with other people too but there's that community so like people are like it's almost this like insanely not addictive but like i belong to something you know and so people get so hooked on the family side of it which is a great thing and that's one of the components that we've tried to keep here is the community because we realize like that is what is kind of lacking for people's fitness like you just go work out at the gym by yourself don't really know what you're doing Where's the accountability? Where's the consistency? Where's the healthy family? You know, yes. like as you get out of high school, like you're like, how do I make friends? You don't want to just go to the bar. Like, yeah. you don't want to make all your friends at the bar. <laughs> and one of the things Andrew and I always talk about is uh, getting females to not be scared of weights. You know, and one thing that I think CrossFit did really well is, hey, bring it on. Don't be afraid of the barbell. Load it up. Let's right. Deadlifts and squats. I, so I wouldn't say it's a, it was definitely me, like you're saying, it wasn't entirely bad. And I like how you guys took components from it. There's a lot of good that came out from it because it did yep. no kind of make lifting more more mainstream and mm-hmm. not so scary well and yeah specifically with the lifting it made like squatting deadlifting free weight training yeah. more mainstream brought it back in popularity and then got women eager or at least interested to give it a shot rather right. than yeah. being like afraid of it olympic weightlifting like olympic weightlifting was always this thing that was like only done in the dark corners of weird basements and stuff yes. like that and now all of a sudden like everybody knows what Fat a snatch is singlets. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. awesome and, and the thing that sucks <laughs> is even people that shouldn't do them know what it is. <laughs> yeah. that's a whole nother story. Well, there's another part too is so it gives people this like sense of accomplishment because it's asking people to do scary shit like yeah. you just go to a regular gym you're just using the machines like there's not a lot of that like i am terrified of this and i just was able to conquer it which that's i'm not saying point, that's yeah. probably not necessarily the best idea because most of that stuff you shouldn't be doing like if you're terrified of something you probably haven't prepared to get there you gotta work your way to it <laughs> but yeah. it does like it kind of just really again ties that like that thing together and a lot of people burn out because they start doing it and they go okay this is ridiculous most people, I think, can't can't sustain that. Also, just because of like the, as a programming model, high intensity day in and day out is not good for you. It's not the best way to develop your conditioning. It is not the best way to not overtrain. Um, it, it's it's going to plateau you at some point. Trying to kind of do both of those things all the time, but you know, it does have that like just that whole like that package that people think they need and so for us the challenge has been trying to like reroute people's understanding of what's actually good for you and what you can actually accomplish if you take the steps the right way and having that consistency and then having a program that doesn't burn people out so that you can keep doing it yeah but some people stay addicted to crossfit i mean there are certain people that just like that like that little mix is like everything they want yeah. yeah, I mean, it should be a, it should, a small amount of people are able to do that caliber. Of, totally. Yeah, right. Because, totally. Because the, tra- the training, I mean, it's pro athletes, right? Yeah. 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 But um, so it, you're right. It feeds into the whole 
um, perception it, sort of perception, of fitness. The, yeah. no pain, no gain. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, if they, you're not bleeding, sweating, and dying with a broken back, then you didn't. Did you even lift? They've definitely. Right. Po- I mean, they they like all the old school CrossFit shirts were like. Pain is weakness leaving the body. You know, like Pukey the Clown. Like they have a mascot that's a clown barfing. Like this is, I mean, it's just, that was a big part of the culture, right? Which it's appealing. Like people, I mean, I look at it like, like people who go into the military, like they do, you know, like that basic training, major suffering that you go through, like it really builds bonds like other stuff doesn't do. So in CrossFit, you get a lot of that. It's like, holy shit, man, we just barfed together. Like I'm so much closer with you, you know, like really. You just held my hair. Like it's, yeah. And then the, like, be prepared for anything. Like that's a cool concept. Like, I mean, ultimately, yeah, that is why not be prepared for anything? But that is, again, like it just kind of feeds into people. And it builds like, a commodity. Like yeah. we all yeah. went through this hell together, you know? And then also really builds off of that uh, individual who's relying on motivation to get from point A to point B mm-hmm. without right. really teaching them more discipline. Because that's something that we've emphasized. Is, actually, I said it is fuck motivation, be discipline. Mm-hmm. But uh, would you say that CrossFit kind of just keeps feeding off the people who are using and relying on motivation? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it has the. I mean, it also has the goal side of things, where there's the constant competitions and competition within the classroom. Like you're putting your scores up, you're trying to improve on your own. You have the benchmarks, you're getting that feedback of like, I'm doing better, I'm getting better, I'm going for this Fran time. I could get to the game someday, maybe, which now is probably never going to happen. But like when he started CrossFit, it was like oh, I could go to the CrossFit games. You, you know? could basically, yeah, in my day, like you could go take CrossFit classes and get good at them, and maybe you could get to the CrossFit games back in those early days. Yeah, you know, like you didn't have. I mean, there's just a way different way that CrossFit athletes are training now versus ten years when ago. When it first started, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the carrot, the carrot just keeps going farther and farther away. Now it's impossible. Mm-hmm. But there's that like a lot of people need a goal to shoot for. So we have people in here that like, uh, they do like a annual strongman competition. And so that kind of motivates their training throughout the year. And some people really need that. You know, I yes. don't, those things terrify me, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and that, well, that's something like motivation, getting ready for something. I mean, yeah. me when I'm getting ready for my shows, right. it's, you know, I have this drive, like I gotta, you know, get ready for this. I gotta right. pump harder in the gym. And then yeah. afterwards, like, eh, you know, I, discipline has to be there, you know, yeah. but you see it all the time with your, you know, with clientele and stuff. But, um, then the other thing I wanted to bring up was just, uh, you guys have to reteach people about proper dose exercise, right? Right. Oh, Cause did they ever come in saying, Oh, I'm, I wasn't sore. Then we, you know, after the workouts, do you oh, ever get that? I, I mean, we had a girl, a woman come in this week who told me, she was like, I'm not used to this. Like, I, I'm not like, she took an AZT class, our aerobic zone training, which is you're working out for zone somewhere, two. yeah, zone two, but somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes at less than 80% of your max heart rate. It's not super duper intense. Like it is low intensity exercise, but it's for recovery. And she was like, I, like, I didn't feel like I got a workout. I was like, well, what have you been doing before? She's like, I, from my understanding was one to two times a week as hard as I can, like I shouldn't be able to work out the other times. And I was like, let's break this down for a second. So like what's better as far as exercise or like stimulus goes, like one to two times a week where you can hardly move the remaining five days or six days a week, seven days a week where you're mixing in high and low intensity training and like a light bulb went on her head. She's like, oh, but I've never been told that. I was like, the fitness industry isn't telling you things to make you better. They're, t- they're selling, selling you. Just, you they're trying to get your money. Yes. Yeah, yes. sales. People yeah. always forget about, so everyone knows intensity and volume, then people always forget about frequency of training. Right, right. and right. conditioning. So that's like one of our little kind of blurb quotes that we got out of the um, 
BioForce cert we have, which is uh, conditioning adapts to um, high frequency but varied duration and intensity. Because mm-hmm. your mitochondrial turnover is so high that if you really want to take your conditioning up to a high level, you've got to train like six days a week at least. But you can't train high intensity six days a week. Nobody does. Like all the guys, like the, the freak that broke the 100 <laughs> mile record, you know, yeah. like that guy does the majority of his training sub 80%. It's like you take the VO2 max stuff and you pepper that in when you need it to peak. You don't just, you know, we have the class running all the time, but we also cycle it in like secretly within the program so that it doesn't spit people out. But most yeah. regular human beings don't need more than like one day a week of high uh, intensity, you know? We, I mean, we really drill into people like the reason that your body gets better at this stuff is because of stress, but you have to manage the stress. Like you only can get better at what your body can adapt to. And that is different for everybody because stress is stress. Your body doesn't differentiate that. So if it's like, I had a shitty night's sleep, my kid's stressing me out, my job sucks. You have like very, very low threshold to work out hard. Your that means you need dry. a little tiny bit. That's right. It's like, there's somebody in the, in the FRC world that used this analogy of like the bank account, right? Like there's all of these things that we can do to put money in the bank account, like the healthy deposits. And then there's all of the other sexy training, which is like withdrawals. You just got to manage your withdrawals and your deposits. So you don't, end up in the red all the time yeah, all the time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well one of the areas i wanted to talk about was um mobility for, versus flexibility that's uh that's one that mm, seems to be used, intertwined quite a bit people seem to and that, that's one that we have a lot of fun having to talk about with clients trying to highlight what is mobility and flexibility i've had classes at chico state and i have had classes at the local gyms and i always ask people what is flexibility then what is mobility and no one can ever really give an answer right so how it's pretty clear what is it it is yeah. well i mean <laughs> if you're if you're like this is gonna sound silly to look at it with an frc lens like there's that's one of the biggest components of frc is developing mobility which is being able to use your flexibility like if you can come over and grab my leg and lift it up and hold it up to my ear for me well that means i'm flexible enough to get it up there if you took away your hands though could i hold my leg up there no then I don't have that mobility. It's just passive flexibility. So it's like mobility is the, the ability to be able to do stuff in that passive range that you can get your body into. Flexibility is just bendiness. It's like, how right. bendy are you? But how much like, can you lengthen? Right. But bendiness is dangerous if it doesn't have control. Like, so the goal with FRC is to match as best you can your active and passive range, and then it's safe. But somebody that's extra tight and someone that's extra bendy are just as sketchy as far as like pr- prone to injury. So how would, just to really emphasize this, because this is the one that, for my clients, when I've told them this, that kind of blows their mind, what is the huge benefit in reducing injury risk when you emphasize on mobility? Like, everyone always asks, why would I even need to do this if I'm flexible? Totally. Go ahead. You look um, ready. You're ready. I was ready. Yeah, so uh, in any sort of, like, injury mitigation training, you need to ideally absorb as much force as possible like if you fall and you're trying to and you land on your wrist like the muscles have to contract contract to stabilize the structure if you fall and your wrist goes into too much extension where you have no active range of motion where you cannot push yourself out of that range of motion you're then relying on the connective tissue and the structure to absorb as much force and if it typically can't then uh, you're injured but if you train wrist extension and mobility to get into a position where you can produce force there to push yourself out of it, then that musculature and that connective tissue and even the joint capsule is more prepared to be there. 
So you're putting force through in it by falling or turning or whatever you're doing, but it's been there before. It, it has contractile strength. It has um, central nervous system. It has motor unit recruitment. It has all these things that contribute to allowing you to be there. So if you're... It has capacity. It has capacity, right. That's how we, we say, say that it. word a lot. So it's, it's the best way to define it. You have, an, you have an ability to control a range of motion. And that's the main difference. You have to have flexibility, but you also have to have that active component. Because if you fall and you fall into a, a passive range of motion, you have, you're kind of at the mercy of the force that you're falling with. Yeah, they, they talk about that a lot as far as, like, what is an injury? Everybody's like... I don't know. I, I got hurt. Well, like, okay, yeah, okay, you got hurt. But an injury is force applied past the threshold of active control of the joint, right? And like the severity of the injury is relative to how much force is applied past that range. Like, so if my range ends here and then something happens here, it's just a little bit. It's like, maybe I just tweaked the muscle a little bit more than that. And I tore the muscle like out here, my knee exploded in many pieces and now I need to have surgery. It's just, it's just force applied past your active range. And like Nate said, which is, you know, you, you need flexibility. Like I need my shoulder to go here to be able to train it, to get stronger. Right. So like I need flexibility first, but once I have that flexibility, if that's all that I have, I can't do shit over here except have somebody put my arm here for me. If I want it to be strong here, I have to spend time working in that position, which is FRC. We do isometric work in that position to make it strong. But it's just like, there's no way to stop an injury from happening. But if I have really good range and I have a lot of control through that range, it just means my likelihood of getting hurt is going to be less and less because I can still do stuff if I fall there or trip or whatever, you know. And that's why we train like the intensity. So sometimes uh, people confuse the pails and rails with kin stretch with PNF. PNF is like low intensity. It's just kind of like turning the muscle on, holding it, relaxing. But when you take your joint into an end range and you do high intensity contractions, it's just like why you would ever train high intensity in a strength lift. Like if you just squatted for, you know, like volume bodybuilding, but you don't actually bump up that intensity, you're not training your nervous system how to do work at that high level. So you have to do that high intensity to push that strength. The same thing with the, you know, end range joint strength training, we're doing high intensity load in that position to train that tissue. Hey, you have capacity here. You can recruit stuff like this is how it works. And you can see it because when you first start doing it, your body freaks out and Charlie horses. It's like, whoa, like it (laughs) fires everything out. It has no idea what to do. And so it's that training process that hones that. And then that makes you more resilient and less likely to injure yourself. If you, you know, stop somebody back here and it takes your shoulder way out, you know, beyond, but if you've been doing like high intensity strength training back there, that joint is way better prepped to handle that stuff. Right. So you guys have said FRC a few times. Oh, yeah. So what <laughs> is it for the listeners who may not know We're what it is? We're on the Kool-Aid. FRC is the, the initial mobility training system that Functional Range Systems uses. So Functional Range Systems is kind of this umbrella company that, or this un- umbrella training system that uses Functional Range Conditioning. That's their mobility specialist certification. Um, and then you can use FRC in a kin stretch class, which kin stretch is just the, the class application. Movement practice. Movement practice, yeah, of functional range conditioning. But it's the, it's the mobility training. It is the, they, I, I like what they said, and this really resonated with me when we first went, was FRC isn't, isn't your new sport. It allows you to do your sport better. It's, it's training for whatever specificity you need. So if you are a CrossFit athlete, but it's day one, and you're like, I'm going to try and snatch rather than snatching. 
under the, uh, the FRC lens, you're going to look at if you have the prerequisite joint motion to do that. And if you don't, then we assign training mode or a training program that does fit your range of motion. And then you apply in the mobility training to get you to where work you want you to up be. To it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Noel and I have taken some of your classes for, oh, and <laughs> I think the first time we did it, my hamstring cramped up on <laughs> both legs. Gnarly. Yeah. Noel's groin cramped up and then yeah. his calf went. And then I had, my <laughs> gluten, then I had my glute knee cramp up on my right side. So it's not, like very easy yoga ish no. stuff. No. It actually does take a little bit of work and yeah. it's strength practice. training. It's a lot yeah. tougher than it sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I don't know if we can. It emphasize. feels good when you're done. It's just yeah. yeah. You suffer while you're doing yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Nate, Nate just nailed it. Like we try to tell everybody too. Like yes, we're calling this mobility training, but this is just strength training for parts of your joints that you don't use. Like the way that we're going to make your shoulder externally rotate better is the same way that we would make your deadlift get bigger but we're just training the one component of movement in your shoulder and not a whole bunch of joints together, but it's the same shit. And kind of by, by training all those components, you get this product of having more movement potential everywhere. So, I mean, you can do, if you have a shoulder that externally rotates more, yeah, you can bench press more easily. You can pull up more easily, but you can also explore more ranges of motion more easily. So then all of a sudden things that are exploring end ranges, like, you know, kettlebell snatches or Turkish getups that require a ton of internal and external rotation are a little bit easier so it's as you kind of expand weight training in broader ranges of motion it's it's easier you're more prepared to be there you guys know that like if you're dealing with like somebody that's a really like immobile or tight whatever you want to call it inflexible client how hard it is for them to squat you know like a lot of those poor guys are like once they get that huge load on their back okay now i can squat but just squatting with an empty bar they're like falling over because they're so tight that's one of the areas when you stop having to fight that you know it's so much easier to just do a freaking squat you know yeah oh yeah and that's where noel and i uh before learning more about mobility the big thing that we would emphasize or try to work on is the uh flexibility in just the calf because we found that typically yeah. that soleus is tighter than right the guitar string <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally yeah. No, that's actually been one of those kind of game changer areas that i've noticed is uh i mean th- just the ankles man it's amazing you need an ankle for a squat yeah and and not enough people like be like oh my hips this my hips that and it's been a then it was one of those oh my god moments for me you know and like and i'll have them hey let's do you know let's try and get a little more flexion there all of a sudden like i can get down easier so now we know okay there's an area to start working on you know right train train that whole area but um i wanted to get back to just mobility in general are you guys do do you guys have trouble kind of selling it because this is a hard part in business as far as uh you know you guys are totally a different kind of gym like i had said you know you guys don't typically everyone sells sex or sexy stuff and then lose a lot of weight feel the burn feel the pain puke lose a bunch yeah again (laughs) lose a bunch of weight and the frc and kin stretch seems to be like the opposite what everybody needs but trying to make people unsexy sexy yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah i mean that was like at the old gym at, at NorCal, when we were trying to adopt the FRC stuff, it was it was definitely a harder sell just because it was, it was something tough. that was so different. You know, like you get somebody who's been, I've been doing pull-ups with these fucking rubber bands for the last two years and I can't do a damn pull-up. And then we're like looking at their shoulder now, applying some FRC principles and we're like, well, you just don't have a shoulder. Maybe we shouldn't do pull-ups anymore. Let's try to make your shoulder better. And they're just like, are you fucking kidding yeah, yeah. Me? Like I've been <laughs> doing these banded pull-ups for two years and now you're going to tell me that I can't even do those anymore. Um, so getting into this gym, we, we definitely had some reservations like, damn, are we going to be able to you know, pitch this in a way that people are going to want to do it? Uh, and it turns out that people do want to do it. And I think a lot of that is just because 
it, it just works. Like, so you get people to take a kin stretch class and then, I mean, it's not always this miraculous, but sometimes people are like, oh my God, my shoulder, it's been bugging me for like 10 years. My shoulder stopped hurting. That's, that's, you know, it's like, we don't even need to sell it anymore. It just speaks for itself. And people just want to keep doing it because they come back. And 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 you guys are providing value. Like we talked about earlier, you know, just when people are selling the sex and the, this, then this experience, you know, it wears off like the Lamborghini. You have, you drive the same Lamborghini for 10 years is going to get boring, you know, real quick, you know, but, uh, if you're, you guys are actually, they're providing value to their lives. They can suddenly put their arm over their head and it's, it sounds so simple, but they're like, Oh my God, I can actually, right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And I mean, you know, one of the, one of the things that really works is having people in the gym, like they're in the gym because they want to do more stuff in the gym, but really what, what's the point of doing all this stuff in the gym, right? Like they're trying to enhance their lives outside of the gym. Most people are not here because they really care that much about making their time in the gym better. They're doing this for the rest of their lives. And what people run into constantly, and you guys, I'm sure you've experienced this, like people come to the gym, they get fucking hurt, and then they're like, working out sucks, and now I'm hurting outside of the gym too. So it's like this really bad feedback loop of people like having a bad association with exercise, where all of a sudden we start applying all this FRC stuff, and it's like, they're getting better in the gym, like exponentially, but they're also just feeling better in their lives. So it's like, I just feel so good about the gym, like it's really changing in the direction that I want, and up to the doing FRC stuff, we didn't really have a system that made that work. You know, sometimes we get lucky, we give people the right stuff, but a lot of the time it's just really trying to just manage these injuries. Like every time we squat, your back hurts, maybe we just shouldn't squat as much. You know, it's like, how can we actually make it better? Well, this system lets us actually do what all we all want to do in the gym. It's like, we're doing it because this thing works. Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot of um, squatting is bad for you. It's like, no, not being able to squat. That's what's actually bad right. for you. you know? totally. and, and that's uh, that's just, that's something you yeah. guys, I feel like are kind of trying to hammer into people, yeah, yeah. which is awesome. Um, one of the other things I wanted to get into was um, like just the direction is mobility on the rise. You guys think is it yes. starting to kind of become like sure. a little more mainstream? I think everybody you're seeing the trend now where recovery is coming up way more. Like, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, nobody was saying shit about recovery or at least not in the quantities yeah. that they are now. And now everyone seems to finally be realizing that your like health and fitness is really your adaptation potential, you know, and how good is your recovery? If your recovery sucks, you're not going to get stronger. You're not going to get better. You're going to develop itises all over the place, you know? Um, and so people are starting to finally get that and having the capacity to do the exercises is a huge part of recovery and just not hurting. So, you know, people just have these like constant owies and it's like, do you want to stop hurting for once? Like, why are you doing this? And this is like the first thing that I've ever done where I actually am, getting people out of that with like a kind of predictable, like, Oh, okay, this is clearly why this is happening. And this is how we get out of it. Sweet. And it works rather than just kind of guesswork and like hoping, and we'll go fucking foam yeah. roll it for an hour. Yeah, you know, I, I'd agree with that. Cause I know, uh, the college strength conditioning sector is having more strength coaches pop up that they emphasize more FRC and more mobility because for the difference between high school and college or especially d1 college is the goal in the weight room is not necessarily we're going to hit the numbers make you stronger make you bigger especially if you're a senior it's more let's get you to survive the season because <laughs> you gotta last some, some of those athletes they practice every day for three hours a day including weight room sessions and whatever the sports practice is and so everything's just being hammered so it's more folks on recovery like you're saying yeah so i believe you also talked about it uh, before we start recording that you guys worked with Chico High's football team, right? 
We yeah. do, yeah. Yeah. And I was on PV and beat you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to do that. School is a safe space for Switzerland <laughs> here. <laughs> so how did, uh, how did the FRC or how did you guys approach a group setting of athletes with all this knowledge that you have? Uh, well, I mean, you know, we, um, we started out with just meeting with them and then trying to explain to them how better mobility would apply to the things that they want to do. Which, you know, granted for a group of high schoolers that the dudes, they just want to smash barbells all the time, which is totally cool. Um, It was it was hard initially to get them to adopt it. Uh, But again, you know, like we started to get them just to do the cars routine, which for functional range conditioning, a car is a controlled articular rotation, which is basically just a fancy way of saying that you're going to take one joint through its full capacity of movement without letting any other joint help out. Right. So that's, it's like we call them joint circles, but it's not really a circle because you're not just moving your arm in that range. You're actually trying to make the joint rotate Rotate, and work through the linear movement as well, which is what the joints are supposed to do. Um, so just teaching them how to do that was, was, uh, challenging enough for them physically that they realize like damn maybe we do need to do this just because it's like hey look you can't even make your shoulder go through the things that a shoulder is supposed to do do you think that getting better at this is going to make your bench press better or worse They're like well obviously it's going to make my bench press better and then as they started doing it we just started to see this bigger and bigger buy-in like in the beginning you know people would like there wasn't a lot of feedback with them. Like they weren't coming up and asking us questions. And yeah. after a couple of weeks of it, they're like, Hey, like every time I bench, my shoulder hurts here. Like, what can yeah. I do? Give me some stuff to do. And now like, it's oh, every cool. Time Let's look go. at your shoulder. Yeah. So every time we're in there now, like they're so bought in that they want to know my Achilles hurts a little bit. Like, can I have some exercises to do to make that better? It's, and it's, well, it's pretty yeah. wild too. Since we've been training them for like three years now, kind of on and off. Now we're training them every single week with kin stretch. And I mean, even the past two seasons, their injury rates have, are so low it is nuts jason i mean their team isn't huge pv's team is 60 guys uh about depending on which yeah. one the varsity team is about 50 60 guys yeah chico high is 35 Man. and so and it's Indy's significantly less and so they have these guys have they can't a, afford a ton amount of demand <laughs> yeah, they can't, yeah they can't afford any injuries and so working with them and doing that it's 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 good because they're they're able to play more and now they know like oh like i i had a game my ankle is killing me so we can connect with the coach and be like, hey, at practice today, we need to make sure that he's practicing at a, at a specific intensity, but also he's supplementing in his mobility work as necessary. Because if that's going to allow him to play more and support the team, it's, it's just a more effective training. And now those kids, they just get it more. They, yeah, they understand. All, and so now training. as they go to their specific schools or not, they know they have a better idea of what their training should look like. So they also having the experience now that traditionally as a football season or a sports season progresses, you start feeling great. And as it keeps going, you feel more and more shitty. Did they start experiencing where they felt greater longer or they just, they're good pretty much the entire season or do they still have the steep drop off? I don't think it's a, I think it's a drop off, but I don't think it's very steep. I think they have, we have obviously kind of injuries in football or that it happens often because there's so much external force and such variable positions that you're getting in as a young athlete where you ha- don't have a ton of ex- exposure to. Um, I think they're still getting kids who are like getting beat up and getting hurt, but that is way less. They're able to play for way longer. Um, and there's just less severe injuries. Like Jason yeah. said, this year, this last season and the season before that were the first two seasons where they haven't had any real injuries you know it's like somebody hyperextended their elbow and their elbows tweaked and they got to lay off doing arm stuff for a while but like there aren't these injuries that are happening where they're just out for the whole season yeah, no like they broke the a season. bone they tore, tore something ACLs. like it just yeah, none of that you know like the 
the car's routine, right? The controlled articular rotations. The, the one of the guys who created FRC has a really good way of talking about cars. Like what, and it's sort of something we've already covered, but like saying it to these football players, they really got it. It's like, if I don't ever put my shoulder in this position, how can I expect my shoulder to work in this position? So it's like just getting them in the mindset. Like I need to move through all these spaces. So when I do go there, my body knows how to deal with it. Be Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> Be Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, well me, then what about, um, like how can powerlifters, you know, I'm sure we'll have a powerlifting, uh, you know, listener. How can a powerlifter, uh, you know, just improve with mobility? Please. You know, I have, I have something <laughs> to say about that. This is actually one thing I wanted to mention, uh, as far as like one of the big components that FRC is doing, when our joints specifically, if we're not specifically training our joints, the, the strength of our joint is the strongest in the middle and weakest in the end range. So you like look at an elbow, like when my elbow is straight, that's the weakest position. I get to that mid range, it's the strongest. And then I get closest to that short tissue. My elbow is flexed all the way, right? Right. Strength curve. curve. Right. So we all know that doing bicep curls, I feel awesome in the middle, but through the whole range, it's a lot more challenging. So when we're training these end ranges, all we're doing is building up strength and capacity in those end ranges. So instead of having this bell curve of strength, I have a much more linear, no curve, just strength all the way to both ends of the short and long tissue of the joint. So if you're looking at something like, I mean, any, any lift, but like a deadlift, like if your hip flexion is limited to 90 degrees and you're bent over to do a conventional deadlift, if that's the end range of what the front of your hip can do, since our joints are antagonist systems, we want both sides of the joint to be strong. Well, in that case, I just have my posterior chain is working, but there's ain't shit happening in the front here. So just by doing FRC, no extra weightlifting, you're going to get stronger at your deadlift. I mean, we've all had this happen where our lifts have just gone up without having to do more squatting or deadlifting or anything because we've, we've eliminated that bell curve of strength. Now we're just in a linear way. We're strong through that position. So if I start at the top of a squat and I ride it down and stand back up, I feel just as strong as I do as if I set up the bar and do like an Anderson squat and stand up from the top with no elasticity help for my muscles or anything. So like, for powerlifting, yes. For everything, though, really, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also, though, like, uh, with heavy lifting, it's kind of this weird thing where I remember this doesn't really make sense to me initially when we first started doing FRC, but you're thinking, like, I'm training, I'm squatting. I'm not, but, like, if somebody's squatting 600 pounds, you're like, I got a strong-ass hip. You know, like, how can you tell me I don't have a strong hip? But then you try to get that hip to do work in rotation, and it's embarrassingly weak what you have is a super sketchy, unbalanced hip. And so what we've noticed is that, like I had super messed up hips from doing ballet, um, trying to strength train them in like every conceptually, mechanically, like this is the best way to be training my hips from that perspective of fitness and making the joint stronger was not working. Like it was making things worse, more pain, more problems, got to a point where I was like, okay, I just can't train the legs. Um, until I started training rotation and it was, it didn't really make sense to me. I was like, I don't, I don't really get this also because for me, I'm super mobile. Like I have a ton of mobility. Um, but there's that component where like, so if the capsule doesn't rotate, it's too tight. You don't have space in your capsule. Um, I had space in my capsule, but I didn't have any strength in that position. Like there just wasn't enough. And so just training end range rotational strength training it fixed my hips. Like that's all I did. I didn't know a ton about this stuff when I started. Um, and it was just doing that, like making myself do the 90, 90 twice a week, pails and rails. And it all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I can use my hips again. Um, so I think that for power lifters that are loading the hell out of their tissues, like having a well-rounded joint that is strong in rotation and the linear stuff 
is only going to make that joint more resilient, um, more resistant to injury, better able to produce force because ultimately, like, even though you are generally like in a linear motion, there's still some con contribution of rotation going on there. Yeah, I, I, I want to add one thing, Grayson. You made chopping at the bit. Secret in talk. Yeah, go Nate. Go uh, Nate. One of the things, and you touched on this, um, but it's it's super important in order for you to express any sort of linear motion, like in a squat, just going from hip flexion into hip extension. The anatomy of your joint is such that you it requires the femur within the capsule of the hip socket to rotate, and so even though it's a linear motion, it's moving in a rotational capacity. Um, and so by training rotation, you're one recruiting or you're telling your central nervous system that it has movement there so it can isolate more. But that also from a powerlifting perspective is a ton of information for your motor unit recruitment. Like you can use more stuff, more musculature, more, you're going through more range of motion and recruiting more stuff to perform that, um, pattern, that linear motion. And that's what's beneficial. I remember I went over to uh, University of the Pacific and talked with the head strength coach and he had me show him some programs that I'd written up and the first thing he did was looked and said, you're all sagittal. There's yeah. no, no there's no movement or training in the transverse or frontal plane. He said, think about power lifters. If they get hurt, typically it's not going to be in the sagittal plane. It's going to be something failed in the transverse or uh, frontal plane. So kind of building what you said, first thing he had me do was start programming more like uh lateral lunges and yeah rotation exercises that if you are a power lifter your knees probably going to collapse inwards because when the supporting muscles fell apart and that's where you're saying uh, the cars and frc cars and what you're doing with the joint is supporting on that is just another way of doing it right yeah. it kind of sorry go ahead oh no no I, what i was gonna say is just, in, just deeper into the stuff like Every joint has a fundamental movement that it needs to have to allow the rest of the movement. So with all of the joints pretty much, aside from the spine, like a hip or a shoulder, it's a ball and socket joint. The reason that, that the rotation is the fundamental movement is because in the capsule, the rotator cuff and the shoulder, that has the, the densest amount of mechanical receptors, right, in those cells, those really deep cells. And so that means that those cells are the most responsible for communicating movement with your nervous system. So they're the most responsible for all of the talking back and forth about what the joints needs to do, where it is in space and all that stuff. That's why we need to develop good rotation in the shoulder first, because since that communication is that much better, it means that through all of the linear movement that I do, which that those parts have less communication, it's going to know where it is much better. There's this thing, it's, it's called a cortical map. It's like your nervous system has a map of all of your body parts, where they are in space, what they're doing. So if a shoulder doesn't rotate, our bodies are amazing at compensating. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to be able to hold my arm over my head. It just means that it's going to be compromised overhead. It's not going to be able to communicate where that is and how much force it needs to be applied and all that stuff. So that's why, like, there's all this we just talk about and deal with the fundamental movement first. Like, you might have tight hip flexors and tight hamstrings, but I don't really give a shit about those until I can make sure that your hip rotates. Once you develop enough external and internal rotation of your hip for what things you want to do, now let's attack those hamstrings and quads because if we fix your mobility and your quads and your hamstrings that's not going to make your hip rotate any better so that means that we're still dealing with that bad communication of movement right. but it's also capsule space like that's like to simplify yeah. it what they basically say is that fundamental joint fundamental joint motion is that the capsule has room to move which is illustrated by does it rotate a little bit so you look at the knee it's a hinge joint but it should have some rotation if it doesn't have capsule space 
that's sketchy. And so what I love about the functional range systems is their assessment. So every other, any basically fitness, mobility, whatever, they're always assessing a position. So they're looking at somebody's squat and they're saying, okay, like your ankle's tight, you're getting a butt wink, or like you don't have a split. But what they're not understanding is that there are these individual contributions to that system that need to be assessed separately. Like you can't really tell what's going on until you break them down into their individual components because the body is this wonderfully constantly adapting system that will compensate. And it can make a beautiful position even though it's got a piece of shit hip doing it. Um, which is what my thing was, was going on with me. So their assessment system is great. And so what it does is it says, do you have a capsule? And if you don't have a capsule and you're going to go try and deadlift 500 pounds, great. That's going to work out well, you know, like things are going to happen. So it just kind of breaks that all apart and says like, do you have a capsule? Fix the capsule, then start worrying about your, your short hamstrings and your short quads. So it's almost like for the average listener just to take some of this because some of it has gotten very Super dense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> intense. It's fun. It's a computer but virus. We're not doing a good flyover here right Just now. so uh, Gen Pop would figure it out or understand it. it. Basically saying that instead of focusing that, okay, I can't do a squat because my calves are tight or hamstrings are tight, don't worry so much about that and look at how's the body moving and why it's not moving in the right in, individual, it, all the little components like does your hip rotate does your tibia rotate does your ankle rotate yes okay move on to do you have dorsiflexion but if you don't have rotation if your ankle is just like rigid as hell you know or like in this plane if it doesn't do this worry about that more and then worry about this because there's all of this rotation that has to happen for dorsiflexion to happen mm -hmm. so if it's not rotating you got to really address that. And if you have basketball players, that is like really working on those rotation positions first, then start dialing in the other components. You got to work with somebody. Like, I think it's yeah, one of those gotta, things you that you can't just tell the average individual, like how to assess their capsules. Um, it's something that I think ultimately at some point, everyone that does physical training as a professional is going to have to start to understand, like, this is how you should assess and this is how you should develop the capacity and then this is what you should load. And so everyone's gonna come in with a capacity that can be loaded. You just have to, as a trainer, identify what that capacity is and don't take them beyond that capacity until they're, and then build the capacity, then load, you know? Yeah, yeah so it's I, like when I was a new, a young, brand new trainer, it'd be, okay, we're going to squat. I want you to go all the way 90 degrees and then emphasize always try to get them lower, lower, lower. Right. Now it's more one of my movement tests that I'll do is I put them into a position, have them squat. They ask, how do you want it? Just whatever, however you would do yeah. it. Right. And then I go from there. Okay. The big things to correct are just teaching the movement, but then if they can only get about 45 degree or less than that, they, they can't go to 90, then it's, we're going to work with that and see that that's why is that right now with the hip the knee the ankle and work, work more on the individual joint yeah right. i think too for like general population people like this stuff especially when you talk about it it's like what the fuck are we talking about like it just <laughs> seems really abstract it's such a simple system but it's so not intuitive like you got to go see somebody and have them show you some of this stuff but i think you know, it's intuitive. With, it's uncommon. It I think uncommon. it's different than how you've always assessed things prior. But I, I, I look at like 
Oh, sorry. Right, right. right now, it's always like a light bulb going right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for it's just a terrible light bulb. <laughs> it's going to ruin your life. Yeah, it is. It's going to make you. Yeah, like they, we all freaked out. It's like blue they pill, really red freaked pill out. Shit. <laughs> yeah, the matrix. matrix stuff. <laughs> no, but really, like for for general population people, like just look at like what you're doing and how you're feeling. Like our body has a pretty dope alarm system in it. Like when things hurt a little bit, all that's that tissue is just saying like, Hey, I'm not ready to do this thing yet. That's why that thing is constantly hurting or not even, it doesn't even have to hurt. Cause you know, we talked about er that earlier, like you can have a dysfunctional joint that hasn't gotten to the, the point of creating pain yet probably will at some point. But even just like if you deadlift and every time you deadlift the next day, you're like, fuck, my low back is so tight. Like I can barely bend over to touch my toes. That's a good indication that either the position that you're deadlifting in or the amount of load that you're lifting is more than that tissue can be resilient. in. I mean that for me, like for years before FRC, it was like, I just associate tight hamstrings and tight back with, because I deadlifted yesterday. Of course it's tight then. But what we've learned over doing that is like, if you have enough capacity to do heavy deadlifts, you don't feel like you did shit the day after. I mean, maybe there's a little tiny bit of residual soreness, but you don't feel like you have really limited movement afterwards. If it's you're not, not like a car accident. Yeah, totally. Debilitated. <laughs> and that's such a thing that gets drilled into people like, oh man, I did pull-ups yesterday. Like my arms are wrecked. It's like, maybe you just shouldn't be doing that many pull-ups yeah. or that type of pull-up yet. You know, like if we're really training at a level that we're, we're giving our body a dose of stress that it can adapt to, we shouldn't be that crushed all the time. We should actually just feel like, oh, maybe I did something yesterday, but like I can touch my toes today, no big deal. I don't feel like I'm gonna have a back spasm if I bend over the wrong way. Yeah, that's, something like, I, yeah. that's what I preach to my clients is, hey, if you feel like you can't walk the next day, like we, <laughs> we overreached we, like, by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can adjust it. Cause it's kind of like the all, uh, no pain, no gain Ugh. has kind of led to a situation where people are in yeah. that it's like all pain and no gain. Right. Absolutely, right. 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm blaming social media on that one. 100%. One of the others I wanted to focus on though was, um. Infrared sauna, you guys offer this. This is uh, yeah. something that not very many people or denotes facilities really offer in the area. I mean, what can you guys tell us? What are the benefits of it? It's the it's a recovery tool. We also have red light therapy in there too. Yeah. We have color color therapy, but Photo red light red light is the coolest. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It would do a lot of good for me right now, being in my internship and living where I'm underground and don't get a whole lot of sunlight. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm turning white. <laughs> I mean, like. We could probably go down a big rabbit hole. I would, I would just throw this out there first. Like, if you really want to get some good sauna knowledge, go look up Rhonda Patrick's sauna report. If you just type in Rhonda Patrick sauna report in the Google machine, it'll bring up a PDF document that's like twenty pages long. It'll make you scrounge up a thousand bucks to go buy a shitty sauna. Yeah, like it's, it's it's that. <laughs> it's such it's, it's great deep. information. I mean, basically though, like it it is really good for hormone production and it's has kind of like a two for one. Like it helps you recover faster, but it also kind of extenuates the stimulus of training. So like if you go do a conditioning workout and then you get in the sauna afterwards, just because of the stuff that your body has to do in the sauna to help, you know, like regulate your temperature and all that stuff. Like it has a similar effect as exercise does. Same with strength training. It boosts your hormone levels though. So if you're like doing strength growth training, hormone. Yeah, growth hormone, yes. you get in the sauna, it's like, Oh, and you just have a bump in growth hormone. Like it bumps your growth hormone up almost to the level of what taking growth hormone does Jeez. for a much shorter time. But I mean, if you're not like, which helps not your connective tissues with that stuff, it's pretty much the best way to do it without actually taking hormone supplements. Like yeah. they did in research where they've, uh, somebody has been injured and not able to train and they have the guy that did the sauna, uh, was able to maintain his muscle mass versus the guy that didn't do the sauna. Even like, um, they did a, a study where they had people do, uh, cardio workouts two days a week and they had the other group sit in the sauna two days a week and the group that sat only in the sauna and wasn't allowed to do cardio training 
had a 30% increase in their VO2 max after like a six week period of just using the sauna. I don't think it was their VO2 max. Was it was not it? VO2 max? It yeah. was. I think it was aerobic capacity. Because that's what it is. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Aerobic capacity. Thank you. Right. Yeah, not VO2 max. There's so much plus to it. I mean, you get heat shock proteins activated, you get right. uh, infrared light hitting you. I mean, also another area that doesn't get hit a lot is. Um, relaxing the body after a workout you got the sympathetic state parent parasympathetic state trying to relax and then you just sit there and just like and yeah just, i mean that's part of that's half the thing right there that's, just relaxing so, some people don't do that enough yeah, yeah. even if they're working out like they just don't relax enough yeah and, and i've noticed i mean i'm seeing some classes where they, they end and then they're in this crazy you know hit class or whatever and they go right out get ready back into get the, you know get kids ready for school and then right into their stressful jobs and they never really calm the body down so it's kind of a nice way just ah, breathe a little bit and yeah. the benefits you get from just relaxing i mean yeah. it's huge i was listening to a podcast on meditation today and they were talking about how everyone complains that they're the busiest person in the world and they don't have time to meditate and um their whole thing is like they they really promote doing these two chunks throughout the day and they say that like when you are running in a constant state of stressiness you waste so much time because you're just kind of spinning around like chasing your tail thinking too much like literally wasting all of that time that you could have been meditating because the meditation will keep you a little bit more grounded and focused and so you actually will get more done and be more productive and handle stress better rather than just kind of spinning around chasing your tail so with the infrared and uh, red, the red light therapy and sauna, it's not something that you do it once and you feel the effects immediate, is it? Or is it one that kind of need to be a it little bit It actually can. Like, there is some immediate benefit to it. I mean, it... Um, uh, the re- like the immediate recovery is better from one visit in the sauna. It, the sweating component of it allows you to detoxify some stuff. Like I'm a terrible sweater. I'm one of those people that will work out for an hour and have like a tiny little sweat ring in my armpit. But if I get in the sauna, I actually sweat. And that's part of how your body gets rid of things. It's trying to Excreting, get out of yep. you. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, what else is it with that one-time exposure that seems to be... Well, I mean, when Nate and I, we used to check our heart rate oh, variability yeah, a lot, like back in the day when, I mean, there's a little more research out there now, so maybe it's not the coolest thing to do anymore. But for <laughs> it's a while still we cool. Were... <laughs> they're, they're looking at it in different ways. They're looking at it for other applications that are not necessarily appropriate. Got it. Well, either yeah. way, we were doing it really <laughs> consistently for like a year and a half, and what we noticed was our recovery time was really drastically reduced after really hard training if we went in the sauna. So, and sometimes, you know, we just get busy. We couldn't get into the sauna. It's like my HRV is tanked because I crushed myself the past couple of days working out. And now it continues to stay crushed for a few days afterwards versus if we had a really bad day where our HRV would basically say like, today's not a good day for more stress to go do some recovery stuff. If we went and sat in the sauna the next day, we'd be back like in the highest HRV, like you're ready to handle a ton of stress. And if we didn't, it was more like two days to get back to that or three days to get back to that point. Yeah, HRV gives you like a green, yellow or red. Green light is good to train however you want. Yellow is train with 20% reduced volume and intensity. And red is like, stay home. Don't, don't leave your house. Um, and so with the, with the sauna, you just get a lot more green consistently before you run into that yellow. Yeah. I think that's an awesome tool you guys offer. And I don't think enough people are aware of just how the benefits of it, you know? Yeah. Isn't it 
Is that first a harder seller or at least to talk to someone about it because they think it may be just kind of fluff or kind of gimmicky that I'll People like the sauna. You? you know, I think that's one of the other things that we did here that motivates people to do the mobility and to get into the sauna is that you have like, a, we have unlimited memberships. Like we, when you start nickel and diming with like, oh, I'm going to shave some money and just come two times a week, people are less likely to spend it on things that they feel like they're getting less bang for. Whereas when it's like unlimited, just come on, get in here. Then they're like, okay, well, I should take a mobility class because I'm beat up today because I've come five days this week, or I should get in the sauna and it's available, it's here, you know, it's, um, I think that's been helpful for that. But yeah, no, people here seem to be really like receptive to whatever it is we're saying as far as like, you know, what's good for them. Well, yeah, we just, I mean, we just you get a harp on preach it a recovery and... <laughs> Oh, nice okay. <laughs> sound booth drama. That's right. They'll edit the sound. Or not. Yeah, keep it in there. A wall just fell on me, guys. <laughs> a foam wall, a foam wall. <laughs> not uh, an actual wall, and the wall's that big, it just broke. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Too huge. <laughs> Thunder thighs. Okay, so. So you guys offer internships at some point. I know one of the trainers from the rec was interning with you guys for a while. So it, for any of our listeners who want to learn more, they can talk to you. And for any aspiring trainer that would like to learn from you, there is a way to go about doing that, right? Yep. There is, yeah. Yeah, yeah there is. Uh, I'd say probably the best way to, to contact us to inquire is email info at basishp.com. Yeah. Yeah, and you can, you know, if you have a resume, if not, just, you know, let us know what your, your experience and your intentions are. Um, we, we can't take on a ton of folks just because we're kind of a small organization at this point. Um, but like, you know, one or one or two, we can definitely get I think, you in the program. I think part of that, too, is um, not just uh, interning, but also like taking classes and participating in within the the way that we use all of our classes and how we use it for a client can be it's just it's different so experiencing that firsthand like we all strength train we all do aerobic training we all do kin stretch so we use our own programming we use our own programming yeah, <laughs> yeah imagine that <laughs> so so as far as someone coming in and hoping to learn like in most cases like the best way to learn is by doing and right. then having that internship of okay look, now let's talk about it let's figure out let's build your program what is your class look like doing that is a is a great way to bring people in because I, I did not do it but I know that uh, Plyde, he was the one who interned, loved it and really opened his eyes up to a whole lot of stuff and he's much better for it. Right. So, yeah, for anyone out there who wants to learn from these guys, I'd definitely recommend it because it was Do it. worth, worth yeah. his time and every time I've come by, I've always learned something new. Cool. cool. Thank you. Thank you guys for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Make sure you guys give him a follow on Instagram. What's the handle? Basis Health and Performance. And also give them a listen on Spotify because they have their own podcast. That's right. The Basis HP podcast. They will drill you with knowledge (laughs) if you're ready. (laughs) Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. That was awesome. That was was great. That was good. We out. Cool. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to the Nerds and Iron podcast. Don't forget to give us a follow at nerdsandiron underscore podcast. And remember, we are offering online training with the one and only Knack Attack Fit. Andrew, you can follow him at Knack Attack Fit or at Iron Nerd Moto. You can follow Noel at Noel Cast Iron Fit. 
You could follow Chris at cbrant42. You could follow Thomas at Thomas underscore Ratana 34. And you can follow me at Brown Psycho 100. And you can follow my YouTube channel. Thanks, guys.